0: Today, we catch up on my week away at MicroConf 2023. Let's deploy. Hello, and welcome to Push to Prod. I'm your co host, Cole, and I work on Use a Lot, a tool to help SaaS companies build revenue through
1: customer success. And I'm your co host, Dan Miller. I'm building a SaaS for the first time and learning as I go. Each episode, we chat about all sorts of things to do with the world of starting, growing, and operating software businesses. Today is the 23rd of April and it's a lovely autumn day again, and Cole is back in the country. Cole, where have you been, oh, mate? Have, I've been yeah. missing you.
0: <laughs> I know, and I'm sorry we're a bit late. We didn't get one out last week. Um, yes, I've been on my first trip overseas since the whole COVID destroy, uh, you know, shut down the world, um, and I went over to Denver in the US to go to MicroConf, which we thought we might have a bit of a chat about today.
1: Nice. I am very keen to hear about MicroConf. I have heard about it a lot. So first... What is it? Because there might be some people on the line listening who don't know what MicroConf is. I know what it is, but tell me, what is it?
0: Yeah, no worries. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a startup slash bootstrapper focus conference, I guess. Um, started by Rob Walling and a few other guys um, that you know used to run startups for, or do run startups for the rest of us. Um, I, it, as far as I know, it's been running for geez, twelve years or something now, and I've never been. I followed it. And I followed that whole sort of micro comp bootstrappy type, uh, you know, comp. Uh, what do you call it, like, you know, community for years since um, I think there was another thing called Cafe, what was it, Founder Cafe, I think it was Cafe, another, yeah. do you remember that one? Um, yeah, so I followed it for that long but I've just never been able to go for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, so the whole thing is based around founders. I know they've played around with different formats before where they've like targeted like startups, and then they've targeted scale-ups like, you know, so – you're basically trying to really get the best help for your startup as you can get. Um, I think COVID sort of, you know, pushed their numbers down a bit in the last couple of years. So they've, they've gone back to one conference. This is the first real one in person since COVID. And so, yeah, that was in Denver. I think 230 founders uh, nice. that were there. and um, Very nice. Yeah, obviously I took the, yeah. You know, it cost a little bit of money to get there and everything. But um, I think I brought it up a little bit before because I've started to focus more on use a lot and I've, you know, I've sold my last startup and I'm not working, you know, full-time for anyone else. It was the first real like opportunity to go, you know what, it's time to go over there, meet some people, start getting some connections again. Um, And, yeah, the opportunity was there so I took it.
1: Yeah, look, I've always wanted to go myself to uh, microconf. I thought it's such a cool thing. I'm I mean, probably in the same boat as you because I haven't actually had, you know, things to be in the space to be there representing myself. So that's yeah. one of the reasons why. So ha- how was it? How was the switch from going from aspiring to, to actually arriving there and, you know, representing yourself, representing you a lot? That would have been so yeah. exciting.
0: and it was really funny actually. I, um, I, I'll I call it a bit of stalkish behaviour, but like because I knew I was going to go and I think I bought the tickets, um. I was early, I, you know, I bought them in January or something like that. I think they went on sale late last year. I deliberately started thinking about, like, I'm coming over. I don't know anyone. Like, I literally knew no one. Only through, I probably I probably knew about 20 people there through Twitter or had already connected with them. Um, yep. So I started that whole process a few months back of going through and find, luckily for up me, they um, on the MicroComp Slack channel. So I don't know if people, um, I think they may have shut this down for intake at the moment, but there's a MicroComp Slack community. Oh, I be- okay. I've been in there for, I don't know, again, years. I can't remember even when I joined it. Um, but they create a private Slack channel group for the conference and so Just as so you're adding people in other. you can start yeah so i was obviously doing a bit of networking there but then i leveled it up i took it a bit further and literally kept my own list and then tried to connect with them through twitter and linkedin because my whole thing was it this thing cost me i don't know when i added it up and it's a little bit weird because i went skiing beforehand but it, it's costed cost at least seven thousand or something yeah um and i thought well i don't want to go out i want to my takeaway my one thing i want is I want to know that I've made some friends that I'm going to have for the rest of my life, you know, like that type of thing. Like, and when I say friends, yeah, friends, but also obviously business, um, you know, connections and things like that. So, um, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, obviously I think I'm well on the way to doing that because that's the type of community that it is. So yeah. that was that was definitely um, one of the big drivers there and the things I took away from that was it's, a I don't know, it's a conference unlike any I've been to, to be honest, which we can probably get into, yeah.
1: That's probably one of the reasons why I think I'd like to go as well one day. You know, it's a small community when you think about it, relatively people who are out there building their own software businesses, right? And so getting an opportunity to actually just be around each other and, and talk, talk shop and share ideas, that's that's the good part about it. And, and also good friendships, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice hanging out with people who do the same sort of things as you, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, like, I have three main, I think, things I'd like to, we can chat through and, and stuff yeah. like that and, and maybe a little bit of preamble of, you know, my trip over there, which might be fun. But, yeah, I think overall, you know, the takeaways I think we can go through are, you know, how much of a welcoming community and the type of conference it is because I think it is different to the others and I'd love to just sort of bring up some of the things that I took away from that. Hopefully people listening either, if they've been, they probably agree or if not, you know, obviously it's something that they can take away from. Um, Yeah, cool. The other thing, the structured parts of the conference, obviously sort of the, the, the sessions and talks, I think they're all actionable and I think Rob... Walling, who obviously sets a lot of it up, um, obviously with his team. He doesn't have to do it all now. Um, I think that's, you can tell they're very picky with the type of people they get to do a talk. It can't just be up there 30 minutes full of fluff. It's got to have yeah. things that you walk away with. Um, and then the other cool thing, which I'll selfishly take away, was – how applicable it was to use a lot, which I didn't, I'll admit, I did not go over there at all with that idea of going over there to talk about use a lot and try to come home with sales. Like it was not that at all. Um, But I'd love to, you know, I think that's something that I took away realising that cool, this is, you know, there's some things here that if we either position better or we decide to position for that uh, community, that there's some takeaways and and there's some opportunities there, which would be even better because then allows me to be more connected to that community again so they're the things I thought I'd take away and we can talk through um I'm very keen to hear
1: some of those things I'm I'm also really keen to hear just um general what sort of fun you had there as well mate (laughs) yeah yeah no totally
0: so I mean obviously the first thing was the first big trip over um over to well anywhere since COVID um and because I left so the last trip I ever did outside of uh, Australia before COVID started was to go to Denver, which is, I oh, don't know, wow. it's sort of, so I bookended COVID with Denver trips. Uh, and I was actually in Vale when the whole COVID, the world shut down and I had to get out of there. Um, so I had an extra day before I got there. And so I went, you know what, I'm going to go back to Vail. There was other opportunities to go skiing with some other people. Um, but I, I was like a day late. I couldn't catch up with them. They were going to some other ski fields mm. and I could have tried to just go there as well and see if I can meet some people, but I I hadn't been to those ski fields like Bracken Mm. Ridge and stuff. So then I went, nah, I'll just get in a car, drive to Vale. Um, And, yeah, that's exciting. I don't know, like, how many people have travelled by themselves. Like, I like it, but then I get over it pretty quick. I'm a bit of a homebody. Um, But that idea of getting in the car, like, I got a rental car. Um, and it snowed, so I ended up having an upgrade. Them. That's a whole different discussion. But I ended up upgrading to a better car, which was a really nice car, cost a bit more money. But again, being a stranger, I was like, "Do I just get the cheap little car and go driving up the snowfields, or should I get something better? <laughs> yeah, <that's-> probably not. <laughs> no. That- and my wife's like, "No, spend the money and get something better." Um, <laughs> what was the
1: snow like up there?
0: It was well. It was minus eleven the whole time I was there. It was cold, and it snowed on the. So, when I? Like, my brain's a bit rattled with days. I think I was Friday night. Yeah. So I drove up there on Friday night. It's about a two hour drive out of the airport area. Um, it snowed a bit on the way. And then when I was there, it was snowing. So the next day, I woke up. Everything's covered in snow. It was powder on the mountain. Nice. And you just don't, I mean, beautiful. I'm not a skier. Like, I, I like skiing, but I'm not a, you know, I'm a, what do I say? I'm a competent blue run skier. Like, I can ski any blue run down a few black runs if I want to, you know, scare myself. But I'm so I'm not that good. But as a result I don't in Australia I don't get I don't go when all the powder's there. It's always the end of season. So it was really good yeah. to, to you know, get up there when it was your whole ski, your whole boot disappears, you know, behind yep. under the under the powder. So that was cool. Um but I was there literally by myself. So you got two, you know, a whole day, two nights, not even almost talking to anyone, which is kind of weird. But yeah, um, it is a bit. <laughs> yeah, but it is also I don't know. Sometimes I like that. Um, but then yeah, headed back into town and um that was the Sunday. The conference started Sunday night and then Monday, Tuesday. So it's like two and a half day thing, um, which obviously we'll go through. Um, I think it's very much built for that networking thing. So the whole idea is get everyone in on the Sunday night registration, talk to everyone. Uh, and I'll get into this in a minute, but like the, the Monday is much more ad hoc. So you, again, you're talking to a lot of people. So by the time you're doing the, like the heavy sessions on Tuesday, when you're going to lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever, and even after the conference on the Tuesday night, you know you're you're talking to people, which is really cool. that like you've met a lot of people, so it's a really good structure. They they did well with that.
1: So, in your networking session at the start, there, how many of your folks that you know you met on Twitter and your friends with on Twitter did you actually meet in real life? Is there any that you can name?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I did talk to Rob straight away when I walked in, but he was obviously running up to his room to do something. I did get to talk, uh, have a quick high. Um, probably, yeah, like um, ah, good. 10, 12, maybe so 15 cool. people. That had either it's known. nice meeting
1: so, Twitter friends in IRL. <laughs>
0: yeah, and on top of that, I did a really dumb thing, but I think it was good the way I handled it. was. <laughs> so just a quick background. I So I rented this car. I drove it back into the city to park it. Like I did one of those, you know, pick up airport, drop it somewhere else. So I drove the car to the hotel, dropped my bag off because it's quite big, it had ski gear and stuff in it and then had to drive like a block, sorry, not a block, it was a good 10-minute walk away to drop the car off. So I did that, um, and on the way there, like I drove off from the hotel, driving down the main, like one of the main roads of Denver, and my phone, which sits in the wireless charging part of this car, slipped and fell down between the driver's seat Ooh. and the console. Ooh. You know, like they go down yeah.
1: there and you can't yeah, yeah.
0: get it. Like it, no
1: man's land. <laughs> and it was like,
0: I could not get it. Then I was like, Colin, don't worry about it. Don't stress, just like park the car. And then I was in my head I was like, oh, what happens if like I park the car? And this car is one of these ones. It's a BMW X3 where you turn the car off and the whole seat Re really goes like it's a programmable seat, so it resets itself to let you get out of the car. And I was a bit worried that when I turned the car off,
1: it'd crush your it'd phone. crush
0: my phone. So I was like, <laughs> "Oh, what do I do anyway?" So I, I stopped the car finally when I get to the rental place, and I got out of the car, let it running. That's why I didn't wanted to do that. And I and I've got my sunglasses on, and I tried to reach under the car, seat, and couldn't see the phone. I went, oh, I'll go around the back." So I went, went around to the passenger seat, open the back door. Um, and I couldn't, still couldn't see it. So I like <laughs> put my head down to try and look between the car seat and the center console. And this is hard to describe in a podcast, but the rear, you know, the rear seats, you know, the, like a lot of them have that pull-down drink holder in the middle. Yeah. 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 It was down. I didn't. It must have just been down. But it's full plastic, right? Yeah. So I smashed my forehead Ooh. on this plastic Ow. thing. And Ow. I didn't think anything of it. Oh, damn it, hit my head. And then I found my phone, so that's cool. I got it out. And then I stood up and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm bleeding. Like it's just bleeding down onto the side of the <laughs> rental car. <laughs> and I'm like.
1: And now you've got to go and meet a whole bunch I've of strangers. I've got to meet
0: 230 people, uh, don't know them. And, I've, no. and on top of that, man, I didn't even have tissues or anything. Luckily I had like a serviette. And I had to like, so here I am like walking back to the hotel, trying to find a pharmacy to get Band-Aids. To yeah. like, It was just the stupidest embarrassing thing. But um, look, the cool thing is this, this crew, I just announced it. was so funny. I just announced it on the um, Slack group, like I'm the one with the bandit on the, his head, um, you know, like <laughs> you know, that's me and it was really good. So obviously not only are they welcoming, it was a bit of an icebreaker, so worked out in the end, oh, nice. but um, yeah, silly things you do, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh yeah, so I got there, um, I guess the first thing I'd want to get into is, yeah, how welcoming this community was and I think um I describe it as, like you've obviously been to a lot of conferences um, yourself, I'd imagine, right Dan?
1: yeah 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 it's they're awesome scenarios, but you're right at the start, it's all about meeting and greeting and and getting to know each other. but um there's a little bit of professionalism to them at all times, isn't there right? yeah,
0: yeah and and like i've I've gone to some before, especially when you get into the really big ones, um not to poke fingers, but even Sastra is one of them like that. now it's so big that there's a lot of people there that are there because they're like it's almost like I get to get out of work. <laughs> you know, like I go away yeah. for two days, I can get on yeah. the you know, get on the drink and and look, I'm not downing those things. It's like it's awesome time to get out and network. Different
1: mindset though, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Like, Whereas yeah. this
0: is not that at all. Not an inkling of that. It was all people that um, you know, they're spending their hard earned cash there because yeah. if it's it's yeah. their business is cash generally, but at the same time, it's you know, they're taking time out. Yeah, you know, poor guys like um, you know, uh, if you heard Brian Castle's last. Podcast, like he's going through a lot at right now, trying to get stuff happening, but he okay. still turns up there, you know. And you just like yeah. that just tells you the type of um, quality of the conference and what people get out of it. So it was more so than I thought, and just how welcoming. Like you could literally walk up to any group and just be let in, which I thought was awesome. Knowing that, that.
1: is nice. Yeah,
0: and there is a lot of people there that have been there for a long time, so there's yeah. always a danger that it's like. Could it be a clicky group and then you have to hang out with the new people? And it wasn't like that at all, yeah.
1: Nice. That's good. I've always thought that, like, you know, speaking to some of the folks that you do end up speaking to around the traps, the folks that are in the same space as you building software stuff, they are generally really lovely people. So I'm not surprised that you say that everyone was very welcoming at the conference.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, like, straight away, like, before you even got there, someone had organised, like, a run on the Tuesday morning. People started to organise, like – because – the conference didn't really do dinners or breakfast, again, intentional to make sure that you like, yeah, sorted your own stuff out. Like, yeah. and so people were just ad hocly building groups, but it was so welcoming. It's like, hmm. oh, you know, I'm down in the foyer at 6pm. Anyone want to go, you know, and then you'd see like eight people connect to them and then they'd nice. go off to dinner and stuff like that. So that was nice. really, really cool. And then um, the structure of that just aided it. So they had like... Um, a random lunch on the, was it the Tuesday? Or I can't remember. Yeah, Tuesday I think it was. Um, we literally we just assigned a random location and random like a group. So yeah. they had, apparently they did try and match it a little bit. So if you're in a similar tech field type thing, that might be the same. So obviously... Had more to talk about but yeah you you weren't in this danger of ever just like you know finding five people initially and then you're stuck Hmm. with them for the rest of the like it wasn't you know it was designed to sort of break everyone out of that sort of mindset to make sure they matched um and then they have like a afternoon monday session where it was like yeah like we talked about that the other day so i did do the pub crawl um the only negative thing was I don't think the beers that you provided on the pub crawl were actually craft, but I mean I, that's uh-huh. fine. Uh, but it, it did what it was supposed to do, I thought, which was you know two and a half hours of again networking and, and talking, you know, which was Good really fun. cool.
1: Yeah, um, you know what I reckon? I reckon the way the reason why it's probably quite welcoming that you found is because when you think about it, the folks that tend to attract themselves towards a microconf like conference are bootstrap founders people that want to do things themselves that people that want to escape the nine to five seven day you know five day a week working for the man type role they're all in it because they actually just want to get out there and and be independent but what by the very nature of that means that you're actually going to be quite a friendly person because you want you're around other people who are in the same boat and you're on the mind same mindset so you're all going oh look I found my people. Here we are.
0: <laughs> and like even though obviously most people are probably cited to that sort of geeky developer type Yeah, you know, there's a lot more developers there than, than not. Well, maybe that's not true, but um yeah, you just can't run a startup and do it in your bedroom and not talk to anyone. So you're yeah. naturally someone who at least is comfortable and knowing that you have to get out of your skin. So that's been really nice. cool. Look, in the end of the day, all I'd say is like just to wrap that, you know, how welcoming it is up, like the first, um, yeah, well, on my way to connecting with every everyone there via Twitter and LinkedIn, and after the conference, everyone's like tagging each other and adding it and stuff like that. So, um, well worth it from that point of view. And I can only imagine the more you go, obviously, you'll, there's a lot of repeat, yeah. repeat people, but every year there was so many new people. Like I mean, yeah, obviously, nice. I was, um, but the amount of people that were first timers was huge. So, not nah, totally awesome.
1: Oh well, that's good advice, and for everyone listening, hopefully we can catch up there in person one day. I hear there's one coming up in Europe, um, yeah, in the near future.
0: There would be one. I think they do Europe like Novemberish, and then there's okay, at, yeah. Atlanta's next. So they've done it. They've announced Atlanta next year, and that's in April. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So. So what? Um, what was some of the big, you know, the big highlights that in terms of mm. the talks and stuff? Did you pick up anything interesting?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I mean, there's too many probably to name straight away, uh, especially now. Like, you know, short. We're going to try keep these shorter these podcasts. But yeah, as I said, they're they're very actionable. Um, you could really tell that that's what they were um doing. The first one, um, uh, there's three that I was, that I took some things from. Again, there's more than that. There's about six or seven actual real talks that went for I don't know forty minutes. Um, I think they're all going to be available on. YouTube at some point too. So obviously keep keep a lookout for that. Um now the guy, first guy's name's Dev, um, mm. which is easy to remember because it's like Dev developer. I should have mm-hmm. actually got his last name on there, sorry. But anyway, he did one about nibbling away at their arr He's basically talking about the, obviously with the environment we're in, and if you're competing against large people, how do you sort of nibble away at their their customer base effectively, which for you is a lot, totally applicable, you know. Um, So his talk actually had a lot of stuff that I took notes on, but one of them particularly that I liked is how you go after either comparison pages or even um, I guess – try and tag, like get contact with their customers through various different ways, like Google alerting and, and, and add some ad, some very targeted discovery ads. Okay. Um, so yeah, like his cool thing with comparison pages, like definitely that you had to have them. Like we haven't actually built ours out yet, um, but it was something that we knew we had to do.
1: Oh, on your marketing site. So to yeah, sort of yeah. Just so say, here's how we compare to X and here's yes. how we compare to Y, where yeah. X is the um, the major Goliath competitor in your space
0: absolutely and it's about like being authentic and you know just wrecking and as a startup I think you sometimes worry about that and that's probably why we hadn't done it yet there's a couple of probably reasons but one of them is you like you know I think the first things people think well I don't want to put SEO I don't put my competitor names on my website because that drives people I don't want customers to know who my competitors are again which is bollocks they probably know who your competitors Mm -hmm. are um but his thing was you know all the research shows that the best reviews on amazon for example are four out of five reviews not five out of five reviews because if you see something that's just five out of five your Mm. brain goes to well that's probably just rubbish but if it's four out of five or i think the average is like 4.2 out of five they're the most bought products because there's Mm. yeah they're yeah they're not for everyone i guess that's what and that's what the comparison page is supposed to be it's supposed to show the client that you, as a, a vendor, know what who would buy you and who wouldn't buy you, and you're being honest when you put up those comparison pages. Interesting, and, yeah. And obviously, so you be, are mentioning the custom uh, competitors, so you're getting SEO through that.
1: That'd be the good thing to be asking people. If you can, by any chance, get a get a hold of speaking to your actual customers, that'd be one of the questions you'd ask them, right? Is say, have you used these major competitors before? Yes. Oh, so how do we compare to them? Tell me. And that'd be awesome that you could get their 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 actual quotes on that
0: yeah yeah yeah, exactly and there's actually a whole other talk on sort of that um you know talking to your clients to get some of that feedback through um and yeah obviously it's very related to this the the more the other actionable thing i guess a couple of the things were going to the g2s the capteras yeah those comparison sites and actually trawling it for the negative reviews and actually this is where i see ai hopefully being easier to do but i'm sort of fiddling with that and why would you do that it's i guess to help so you if you go through and summarize all the things that your competitors are struggling with, obviously with your product, you probably should be targeting that. Otherwise, why are you you not? Like if you're going up against your big competitor on the same things that they're good at. Yeah. Have fun with that, um, yeah. especially when they're big.
1: We're where the, where the little folks, right? We're the yeah. agile ones. We're the ones who can pivot. So you're right. That makes perfect sense. If yeah. there's people out there complaining about stuff, then hit them where it hurts. <laughs> yeah,
0: basically. And like put that into positioning, put that right up. And this is, you know, probably touch a little bit on my last point around news a lot. But um, yeah, using that as a really good guide, um, you got the evidence there and then you can market good it. Good advice. So, yeah. um, he had some other Dead. things with awesome. SEO. Yeah, <laughs> no, he had some other... I haven't got right into this but the ability to use Google alerting and discovery ads to actually um, put messages in front of people not only in YouTube and stuff but even for people who are running like it probably doesn't happen as much but when I first heard, heard this I thought oh yeah it might be interesting for people who are using for example Gmail and not like a work a Google workspace thing which actually funnily some of my clients I've have seen them do that. They use a free Google Gmails. Well, because you've got those discovery ads inside Gmail, you can actually um, target the your competitors renewal and price increase emails because hmm. they're going to go into the <laughs> those people's inboxes wow. and so you can actually target that's it nice. and i didn't even realize i was like oh, that yeah. is
1: that is like super targeted that is yeah. very smart actually you yeah know, that is the moment where the person reading the email is thinking about buying and renewing yes. and that's when you want to be in their face yeah, yeah wow. so that's
0: quite interesting i have to do a little bit more research of that because i was like i think if you're paying for google workspace that's not the case but i have to um you know, again, if it's applicable, go for it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Um, Patrick Campbell's talk on pricing, obviously.
1: Um, cool. So for those that are listening, who's Patrick Campbell?
0: Yeah, so Patrick Campbell sold ProfitWell. I don't know if, if for those who um, know that product, um, which is, you know, pricing, um uh, product uh payments and stuff like that he sold that to paddle um so and he's still very much involved in paddle which is one of the larger payment sort of yeah, yeah. SaaS products um he's so well he's known around the trap yeah the, the pricing, the pricing guru. Yeah. yeah there's two patricks that sit around that pricing area you know, and he's one of them so yeah okay. so he he came in talking um obviously he did touch pricing um so that was something that i did take away but the thing before that he was talking a lot about um you know team and mission and i thought that you know from our talk the other day about startups and mission and stuff um i, I he basically was looking at his old days at profit well of what things he took away from that he did wrong and one of them was like you know a lot what are these tech founders like they're like oh, i don't need all that sort of stuff and he was like no this is um if he'd gone back in time he would have done that stuff earlier so having really really clear mission and focus of what you're doing over the next quarter or half. Hmm, like okay. I love his idea of saying like, if you, you know, if you come up with some initiative in your company, it should be so exciting and people should be aligned to it that they want to print t-shirts for it. Like if you're, if you can't put a t-shirt on it for the next quarter, then it's probably not clear enough or you're not like maybe yeah. exciting enough. So hey, that
1: that ties into um, that podcast episode that you and I recorded a few weeks ago, back to mission and, you know, purpose and value and stuff. Yeah, Absolutely, cool. yeah. So um,
0: I really like that. It, again, these are just these little actionable things that, like, you know about it and you know you need to do it. But yeah. it's cool to hear someone just put some numbers around it, like, you know, do just do two, you know, for the next quarter and focus everything and keep every, um, every slide or meeting or whatever, whatever your backdrops or your Zoom meetings or whatever, have those things up there until people are sick of them. You know, all they're wearing T-shirts for the next six months with that thing on it. Give it a name, nice. and it just focuses everyone like ruthlessly yeah. to whatever that is that you're, you know, targeting. Which I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So if you if you're listening to this and for the first time you're listening to Push to Pride, we actually Col and I recorded an episode, episode three. So if you go back and listen to that, you'll hear a bit about why we talk about missions and you know, visions and purpose. And so it seems like Patio's talk or Patrick Campbell's talk there was um. Right on the money there. That's cool.
0: Nice. There's lots of other things uh, in his talk. The pricing one that I thought was really cool was just a little tip about your cancellation emails. Um, sorry, that if someone cancels your surveys, you know, a lot of times you'll see a cancel where you get a thing come up saying, you know, what didn't you like about it or whatever, and, or, you know, are you sure we'll give you a discount? That You know, all those type of things are, are, are very good. But he said the number one question you should ask is what they liked about your product. And straight away, as yeah. soon as I thought that, one of the things that psychologically I like to think about is feedback loops and how feedback loops can be both good and bad. And But generally, well, they are generally every bad thing. You know, if you think about people's having arguments or whatever, it's all around feedback you know it's just like something happens someone gets annoyed which then calls the other person to get annoyed which and it just feedback da, 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 and spirals out I mean we talked about this on the uh, little bit with the Silicon Valley bank collapse you know like this feedback loop of oh that person's going to pull their money out or I'm going to pull my and suddenly just you know the bank collapses you know that's how a bank run happens uh, and so his thing here is just this simple hack to go you know, someone's cancelling their account, they're not happy for some reason, and then you just show, you just ask them, well, what did you like about it? And just that brain hack of them going, oh, well, I really liked X, hmm. just puts the brakes on that negative feedback loop and you get a fairly high, like it's probably, I think I can't remember what the number was, but it was something like 8 to 10% would actually stop cancelling because you're making them think about the positive part of the, using the product, you know, and it just puts the brakes on it. And I thought, man, that's a, a really good um example of understanding how to break negative feedback loops you know just with some little hacks so that was i thought that was really cool um and then rob's talk he closed out the conference purely around building SaaS teams i guess and walking through his was a really in-depth one lots of numbers i think we talked about his SaaS playbook which is going to be coming out the book so i'm pretty sure this part is in that book um but it was all about understanding the ten departments that a SaaS company has and the structure of who your first, second, third hire should be. Ah, okay, right. Based on who you are, like, so if you're a single founder as a tech person, you probably should hire X. If you're a yeah, you know, if you're a tech founder and a sales founder, your third hire or your first yeah, real right. hire should be whatever. And how? And he said like it fits, you know, 80, 90 percent follow that well, the successful ones, follow this play playbook. Um, certainly Social Pinpoint followed that. Obviously, we didn't know those things. You just sort of go along with it. Um, yeah. But it was really good. Uh, so that one had so much numbers and charts, it's worth getting his sheet and having a look at it and keep it in your back pocket as you're starting to, if you get to the point where you are hiring, you know, third, fourth, fifth people, Um that that was really cool. The one thing he took away that he tried, and I'll admit, I tried in the early days: do not hire mult. Don't hire someone thinking they yeah. can do sales, marketing, support, a bit of dev. Yeah, okay. And, you know, like that's what as a founder you tend to do. You go, oh look, we just need that. We're busy. Um, if we hire we one person, yeah, yeah, we could they, we could just give them all this little stuff. And I remember there was people that we let go because they just, A, they couldn't do it. So we set them up for failure, unfortunately. Yeah. He, he said, look, what you're trying to hire there is a unicorn. And he said, reality is you're the unicorn because you're a founder. You can yeah. do all that stuff, yep. but yep. you can't hire that. So don't I, even try.
1: I completely agree with that. Like even in our other business, um, Trade Guardian, we find that we get some excellent um, people working for us. They're all so lovely. And the, the, what makes them so good is that they're really good at specific things themselves. Over the years, we've tried to hire people who have said to us, uh, oh, I'm really good at this, I'm really good at that. And it turns out they're the ones that don't end up staying with us that long. Um, yeah. <laughs> either we let them go or they self-select to let themselves go. Um, because, yeah, you're right. It, it's a different point of view it's a different mindset when it comes to starting and running a business that's that's why we're able to do it whereas some people just don't want to do that (laughs) they love coming to work he
0: said that so the only uh, exception he went into a lot of detail there too was there is some roles that you can combine which makes sense so there is those you know those sales marketing roles or the um, product and engineering role like and he literally spells it out so it's like if you're trying to hide those ones you can get away with it for a bit Mm. um but don't try and do these broad, you know, cross sectional yeah, yeah. ones, which yeah. has been really cool. So, definitely, like all I can say with that is keep, you know, go to MicroConf YouTube channel, subscribe to it. And I'm assuming you're going to get access to a lot of these things because they're definitely oh, cool. worth looking at. And then, definitely quickly, like I'll just talk about how, after the fact, I realized how applicable it was to use a lot, which I just want to preface it with I did not go there with the idea that I would ever. Sell use a lot in there. Um, yeah, I no. wasn't trying to That's come out of there with.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, I want to get five, six sales demos, whatever no. it was, it was not that. Um, no. But I will admit, it was, there was that discovery element because I think we've talked about this where one of the positioning things use a lot. We're looking at can we get it earlier in that startup? Like in a SaaS company's growth, can we get a CS tool in? Uh, Earlier, Mm. And so I wanted to talk to people. And so the cool thing is literally on the first night that drink, that we just had drinks registration, I came out of there with four people (laughs) listed who wanted to talk about use a lot when I got home. Oh, cool. So I mean, that was, I was like, wow, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, And then by the end of the conference, I think it's about 12. Again, I'm not out there trying to do it, but I just ended up with at least 12 people that we have to demo the product to. I'm not saying they're all going to buy or anything by any means, but, um, it just showed me. It gave me a bit of confidence that okay, the problems we're thinking about of solving with use mm. a lot for startups yep. is there. And you
1: validated that,
0: yeah. And specifically, there was ones around um, that. Yes, for example for early stage they might have a support team and they're trying to turn them into a customer success team. So that was definitely one I heard where it's like and obviously that struggle, that difference, how do I how do I break that mindset of being reactive as a support yeah. team into a yeah. proactive CS team? That's obviously a big thing that startups go through. Um, the other one was knowing a bit of visibility about my key client and when they yep. leave. So like I can't afford to have my key clients and my big accounts leave. Now that's a problem with all products but – a lot of these startups are, us, they're not all, you know, because it's B2B, they're higher value. So if they lose a big client, yeah. that's a
1: lot of money. Well, what I've taken to learn when you've explained views a lot to me over the last few weeks and months is that um, the value is if you, as a starting up a SaaS, if you can get in there and you can understand and now start getting some metrics and some visibility as to what um, what's going on in your, in your business, in your SaaS business and where you're, Big um, clients and what their what their activity is like. That's the value that you actually want to get involved in. So I can sort of see now, you know, when you say that you've you've validated that at, at your visit to Microconf, there it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: no, you're right. Yeah, and so like it's the. Our tool probably would definitely, but historically because of our competitors and like if you talk to someone who know, there was a few people there who knew our competitors, but they also self-selected themselves in the sense that we can't buy them because they're too expensive, you know. So yeah. that is one of these issues. We're always going to have this price thing. Um, yeah. We hope we can do something where we can offer it cheaper, which is what we're trying to do. But you wouldn't want to do that if you didn't think that the market would even want it and so i found just talking through some of those key values and i guess the third key value was people who had a cs staff maybe they had one or two, oh, yeah and they're starting to be asked by those team we need a third we need a fourth and they're like hang on like like that straight question i got was how many cs people should you have for how many accounts like you people ask about that all the time like they want that yep. metric and it it's so dependent because it depends on how much high value uh, sorry high touch your clients are but What then, if you dig a little bit under that, it's not so much knowing how many clients your CS staff can service, it's what are they doing with that time? Like, how do I know what my CS staff are doing? Is there a lot of time wasting? Is there not? So it's that team management of, even in a small team, how do I keep them focused on the most efficient tasks? And use lot does out of the box. So it's like um, those things, I could see a CS person, uh, sorry, an early stage bootstrap startup you know, um, using, and I think mm. use lot does it. And I was like, okay, well, we, one of the potentials here, one of the outcomes of going to microconf is a much more targeted position, uh, even if we do it for six months and see if it works or not, but yeah. at founders. So like if you're a founder that can set up Zapier, you can set up Uselot. So now I'm, I can give it to you at whatever, you know, hundred dollars a month, $200 a month, some low cheap amount, because mm. if you can configure Zapier, which a lot of, Competent founders can, yeah. Then you can. You don't need a six month, six week onboarding, sixty thousand dollar onboarding fee. You know, to, yeah. for us to plug it in. So absolutely, yeah. So it's exciting. Again, I just want to, you know, want people to know we didn't go over there to try and get that, but to think we're going to talk to ten to twelve, you know, pretty successful early stage startups about what we do just show the value of the MicroConf community. And not only that, these people are passionate about helping us succeed as well, even if yeah. they don't end up buying it. So uh, ah. awesome, man, awesome. So anyway, that's what's that, cool. the, rattling around in my head. As I said, like I only just got back yesterday, so I'm still a bit, uh, but um, I, I will awesome. do what no. I can to get there next year in Atlanta. Yeah, for thanks sure. for
1: sort of giving the, um, you know, the insight, the, the first person insight into what it's like to go to the MicroConf there. Like I said, I've always wanted to go and I'm sure there's people listening to the show here to pride that i um, probably interested in going themselves, so that's it's nice to sort of see that first hand experience of it, Cole. Thank you, it's yeah, great,
0: no worries. And I'll just give one shout out, um, to probably the p- most nicest person at the conference, and they're all nice, but that's Arvid. We all know Arvid from you know,
1: really, oh, nice. so
0: I met him. Um, obviously, everyone knows well, I think most people know who he is in terms of um, the, you know, a primary podcaster. Um, I think he's already got out, he's he's such a machine, he got out his micro comp, I haven't listened to it yet. But he got his micro podcast out on Friday or something like that. So okay, um, he's such a nice guy, and he did a talk too. And I sort of kept it separate to the thing at the top there, but that we talked about. But he he's so good, and he's so nice, and he's also like really passionate about getting people, especially in our community, to talk about the bad parts of and the, the struggles. And you know, yeah, you know okay. what it's like. You can see it in his tweets and stuff. But he's so. Yeah. Um, Passionate about it. And I thought, you know, he literally got everyone split up into groups of three or four and made us not made isn't the right word, but you know, encouraged us to talk about, you know, what was a big struggle or what was a big, you know, um, overwhelming moment that we had yeah. running our startups and just listening to people, just it made everyone
1: know that we're not alone in what we do. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I think that's that one of the most valuable things that any community could do really is to just to support each other. So yeah, I like what he's doing there. Uh, getting people to open up to share those struggles because you know that's that's what makes the community, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's like, you know, this whole build in public, uh which obviously he's you know massive pusher of uh I said this to someone on Twitter, someone was saying like why wouldn't you put your mrr or something on there? And I was like to me posting your MRR to me, is worthless. Cause like my yeah, MRR yeah. is going to be different to your MRR. I don't understand the value of it. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, all it does is, uh, I don't know, it feels like for me, if I'm posting, it's almost like a brag. I, oh, I agree. And yeah. Humble
1: brags have got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but I'm, I'm more interested in hearing about person, you know, who's running a SAS, who's had it had a go at this one thing and is struggling with it. And is just interested to Share some ideas with each other, sure. That's yeah. way more exciting and more interesting. Yeah, so yeah. we
0: heard from Arvid, which I totally uh, resonated with, that that idea of, you know, and this will flow on nicely to our episode six coming up around our production, you know, SaaS-type infrastructure talks. Um is especially early stage, if you're a tech guy, you probably will be the person who you're the only person in the world that can fix your product if it goes down, at least for some period of time. And the isolation that happens and everyone ends up with this one night or this one afternoon or this one early morning where something happened. You know, in Arvid's case, it was literally at a funeral and he had to go, sorry, not a funeral, but a wake. He had to literally Mm. go upstairs to fix a problem, you know, at a Mm. family wake, you know, like, and then I know again Brian Castle in his latest latest podcast was talking about going away on a family trip and having to spend some time on the product you know and like we've all done it Mm. Um, and it's just hearing that back and forth with people and understanding how much we've chosen this direction it affects every part of our life and so everyone needs to be talking about it conscious of it and helping each other out you know cool yeah nice cool so I well talked right, a lot there, but, yeah, hopefully. Are you going to um, go to another one? Yes. I'll. I, yeah, I mean, the goal will be yes. Obviously, it costs yeah. money. I'll probably do it cheaper. I probably don't need to. Well, if I go to Atlanta, I'm not going skiing, so I obviously added some costs <laughs> on myself. So, um, yeah, no, definitely we'll be planning that next April yeah, nice. 20 or 21 or whatever it is, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So appreciate it, Kyle. That's been fantastic.
0: Ah, awesome! No, so that's a good wrap up. Um, we're going to close this one out, though. So, like, but if you did go or you want any other questions or you want to network with us, obviously, um, hit us up on our usual channels. So, you know, you can hit us up on our Push to Prod Pod Twitter account or Push to Prod pod at gmail.com. Um, we're after suggestions. I think um, we're going to start a our what do we call it was it production mini-series what was
1: that's it man we're getting into a mini-series up soon so if you're listening to this keep your ears to the buds because we're coming your way with something a little bit different but you know we're gonna we're we're trying out things here we're experimenting so why not
0: (laughs) yeah excellent you can follow us uh, you can follow me on twitter at at gomo you'll probably see some more tweets around microconf and dan's at mr dan miller um we do want to say we love, you know, thanks for our early followers. We've still got, you know, a good number of them. Um, but what does help is if going into Apple Podcasts or Spotify and giving us that five-star review, um, always really, really appreciative for the people who do that. Yeah. But until next time, Dan, I will talk to you next week.
1: Brilliant, Cole, and welcome back. I'm glad you're all safe and sound and we'll talk to you in the next one. See you mate. Cheers. Cheers.